If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Women Physicians Lead, hosted by Dr. Lisa Herbert, helps women physicians move from surviving to thriving in their personal and professional lives. Dr. Lisa shares leadership tips, burnout support, stress management strategies, and inspiration from women physicians who've made remarkable transitions into leadership roles. There's a fantastic episode that you should check out called Taking Care of Yourself During the Journey, about how women physicians can care for themselves while on their leadership journeys. Check out Women Physicians Lead on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Iowa to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. This is episode 129 of the podcast. If you're new to the show, I want to welcome you. Highway to Health is your place for trusted health guidance and support. Whether you're looking to improve your health or just seeking ways to stay well, we're here for you. This growing community is on a mission to improve our state of being and experience together on the planet. I started this podcast as a way to explore ways to well-being and to improve the dialogue about a more integrative approach to care. Real collaboration and better communication combined with education are the keys to improving health outcomes and the experience for everyone involved. So my guest for today is another of my colleague collaborators. Um, I've been fortunate enough to treat her babies as well, who are fast growing up before my eyes. And this is the third episode of our series on birth, newborn, and maternal care. In the last episode, I, I talked to Chris McCloskey, and she shared her experience over the past three decades as a midwife, which covered a lot of the basics of why having a midwife can be so beneficial. And I asked Tanya to join this conversation because of her unique perspective coming to midwifery after working in her home country of Peru and working with a number of different communities here in New York City. She's primarily a home birth midwife and has some incredible wisdom to share about birthing instinct, community of care, and respect for this incredible intimate experience that she feels blessed to get to share with families. Please enjoy my conversation with Tanya Zerulnik. One of the things I'm realizing is that of all the conversations that we've had together, I've never really asked about where you started your practice, where you did your training. You grew up in, in Lima, in the, I in the city? I grew up in Lima, yeah. Lima, Peru. Yes. So hence, hence my, my, my accent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I did my midwifery uh, program there. So I graduated as a bachelor's in midwifery okay. there when I was 23 years old. I, I always felt that it was, I needed something else. I like I liked the work in, when I worked in the hospital because I, I worked there for a couple of years, but I I just felt like the hospital was not the end for me, um, and um, I wanted to search something for something different. Um, yeah. And um, I found a way to come here. I came uh, I came here through an exchange program that allowed me to be in the U.S. for a year. Um, so I decided to learn what was going on with midwifery here in the U.S. I remember I first became certified as a Lamas childbirth educator. Oh, you did? And I did, yes. So I kind of like, even though I was already a midwife, yeah. when I came here, I decided to start fresh and start from the bottom up. Um, so I, I became a, a childbirth educator. Then I got certified as a doula and... Uh, as a doula, I was able to uh, volunteer at a hospital here. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm definitely not going to a hospital here. Uh, and uh, in one of the workshops, I heard about the home birth movement. And I was like, well, hold on, let me get more into that. Because I, I never knew that was really an option as a midwife. You know, I did my training in hospital and... Peru being a third world country, low resources, we had a very high maternal mortality rate. So okay. we, they always talk about you have to be in the hospital uh, to give birth, right? Um, so when I heard that, I was like, okay, I need to explore more and learn more about this. 
Um, and I reached out to some of the homebrew midwives here in the city, and one of them decided to um, uh, take me on and said, well, you're already a midwife, you're a doula, fine, come assist me at birth, and you can be a doula for my clients. So I started doing that, and um, it was really amazing because uh, the first ever home birth I went to, and this was after having worked at a hospital and delivering or catching 150 babies, <laughs> um, the very first home birth I went to, I cried. Like, I was like... Is that right? That was like, this is it. Like, it was it was not only amazing to find the, you know, like this privacy, intimacy, primal moment. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was also for me uh, tears of joy that I found uh, what I want to do, you know. Um, so it was really, um, it was really eye and that's what led me to this path. Yeah. What was your experience in the in the the hospital system like that turned you off? I guess in in Peru. Um. And and is it I mean, and, and is it different to you than than your experience has been when you're in hospitals in, in the U.S. Yes, I know. So the hospital I worked at and trained at in Peru, actually they have a, back then, I, I don't know now because it's been quite a few years, but back then they had a low cesarean section rate. So they really promote um, uh, vaginal birth. I'm not going to say completely natural because there were still inductions happening and all that, okay. um, you know, but vaginal birth. Um so that was really helpful for my training for like really, mm, yeah. you know, being convincing me that, yeah, women can give birth vaginally, um, even though we have to intervene. And that was the part that I was just not OK with. Why do we always have to intervene? Why do we, you know, and it was just that. And it was like, you know, having conversations when somebody's like giving birth and everybody's like in, doing their own thing. And I'm like, hold on, this should be a better moment for the person giving birth, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and so those were the things that it just made me feel like I, I don't want to sit like all these other midwives here and just be talking about their own businesses while somebody else is giving birth. And right. I don't want to be that person. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I had the motivation to to look something that was also still vaginal birth, uh, but just something definitely where, where there was privacy. Yeah. Um, and when I came here to the U.S., I remember the first birth I attended as a doula in the hospital, um, like this woman had just arrived and uh, she, she was like, I think one or three centimeters dilated, no more than that. And then all of a sudden the resident came and said, so we're gonna do a C-section. And then in my mind, I was like, hold on, like she just got here. I know her water broke maybe a few hours ago, but like, why do a C-section? You know, like she's technically not even in labor. Like, so that was really shocking. And then after that, I, I, I saw many other births happen in the hospital where in my mind, I was like, hold on. I saw this back in Peru and this, that, type, that type of labor still ended up in a vaginal birth. Why is it ended up in a, right. a C-section right. here? Yeah. You know, so that was like, okay, I need to run away from this place. Like, I just couldn't. And it was also very difficult to connect with people. Like when you're a doula that the hospital is providing, you're meeting the person right there at that moment. Right. So some people don't even know what a doula is. And so... It was hard to really connect to the people um, and make them understand that I was there to advocate for them. I, you know, it was easy for me to connect with Hispanic people because I'm Hispanic, you know. But even then, it, it was just uh, I couldn't convince them of not having a C-section. I couldn't convince them on saying, "Hey, you can say no, and we can try different things." You know, they felt that they were under the supervision of the doctor, and the yeah. doctor made the decisions. Yeah. You know, so. it's, it's interesting because I. Because you and I have both worked in New York, we we work with a population of people that are basically from all over the world. I mean, it's it's yeah. different than a lot of places that you might work. I, th I think probably Miami and L.A. and you know, there's probably some other places on the West Coast that are like that. But we, I one of the things that I've noticed in working with with new mothers is that they t they tend to be much more holistic minded in general, coming from just about anywhere else, whether it's South America or Europe or Africa. It's like they, they, they have a little bit more of that mindset, it seems like. So they, they gravitate to people like us, you know, whereas 
I, I wonder, I'm, and I'm sort of curious, maybe if we, we can talk a little bit about um, get into the populations of people that we tend to work with, because I know you work with a lot of a, a lot of mothers and families in the Orthodox community in New York, Jew, Jewish Orthodox, and so yeah. like it's 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 interesting to see like how how they seek you know our kind of care where a lot and part of the reason I'm doing this series in the first place is because I think a lot of people don't realize the kinds of resources that are available to them in in our in our kind of way of thinking about care yeah yeah and and that's very true when i i never thought i would uh work with the jewish community quite honestly like you know um but i think like you said there's something that connects us and maybe not you know not necessarily cultural but right, um, right. but it's the reasoning behind it and you know they, um, or or at least the, pop, the the part of the population that I've worked with, look at birth and pregnancy like this is what my body is meant to do, and so why should I seek um, help when my, my my body doesn't really need help? Like, and quite honestly, I just go there to really put on my hands because most of these women don't even need any guidance. They, you know. I always tell this story, this this one person called me and said, my water just broke and you need to come. And I said, well, hold on, are you having contractions? He's like, no, but you need to come. And I was like, okay, you know better than me because you've done this three other times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I got there and she was pushing already, you know? <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm just here to do my hands. <laughs> and so, so they have this this knowledge of their bodies that I can, I can do this, you know, and. Does it, does and, it get passed down between like the generations too? Or is there a lot of information, information being shared? Um, that's a good question because depending on the community, um, some of them don't really tell the, the, the other children that they're expecting, you know, it's just like oh, all of a sudden there's a new baby at home. Um, <laughs> but I do have found the new, like the younger um, uh, women that are coming to me from the community are, you know, they, they will tell me my mom had a home birth or I was present at her home birth, mm -hmm. you know, and of course I know that I'm having a home birth this time, you know, right, so right. so they're just very confident because they saw it, they attended, they, 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 they've been there. Um, and so I think, again, uh, I think religiously also, you know, they're giving this, this, this um, wisdom, this, this um, uh, knowledge that they are there to give birth to new life, right? And mm -hmm. so that's just what's how they grow thinking, and it just becomes something very natural to them. No, no questioning behind it. Right, and and if you think about the just the whole concept of birth, like. We've we've come to take a little bit of this stuff for granted. You clearly haven't because you're involved all the time, and you've and you've witnessed the miracle of everything that goes on. But it is a spiritual, you know, thing that that goes on, bringing life into the world. It's, uh, I mean, it's got to be just one of the most powerful things, which is I'm sure a little bit of an addiction that you have, you know, you have to keep kind of <laughs> pushing into. Yeah. But but it's interesting. I just just thinking about I, part of the reason I was asking the question about you know does does this information get passed on in the in that in Orthodox communities because my my wife's family is you know they're they're Russian Jews. Her mom's her mom's actually not Russian. She's Ukrainian, um, and her her uh, lineage was German. But um, in just when she, they all ended up in in Moscow together, and at the time, so if she's like 73 now or something like that, but even when she was first having her, you know, having her, my, my brother-in-law was the first one that was born, they would hide the pregnancies from everybody in the community. Yeah. That was yeah. like a part, I mean, I'm sure this happens in other places in the world, but just to think that, you know, we're talking about like the early seventies, they're still hiding the fact that they're going to conceive a child. It seems yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. No, I think it's 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 real still in in some of the communities and and some others is still more widely uh, discussed. But yeah, it's so interesting how culturally there there's this, and I don't even know if it's taboo. I wouldn't call it taboo. It's just it's just the culture, yeah, right? And, yeah. and 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 I think I, I can going back to what you were saying. Being in New York just makes us exposed to all these different cultures. You learn the the rules under which culture 
um, express a certain way, right? And so, um, like I said, I never thought I would end up working with the Jewish community at all. And um, um, but I've also been uh, happy that they have been open to teaching me, you know, mm-hmm. um, things about the culture and why the husband does this during the birth and why um, she does this during the birth, right? And so it's been really interesting and I've been very happy to be part of his community for sure. Are, are they interested in, in your being Peruvian at all? Um. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, The very first client, uh, uh, Orthodox uh, Jew that uh, hired me years later after, you know, after I have uh, caught five five of her babies, I said, why did you hire me the first time? I said, because I know there are other midwives that were working in this community for a long time. And she said, "Um, we like your warmth. We like mm. that you had that warmth that I think comes from you being from a Hispanic heritage. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's interesting. So so some of them are familiar with that. I mean, they I think they realize I'm Hispanic or I mentioned it at some point. Um, so, so, yeah, I think they're familiar with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that 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 is I mean, it, I, I always think about how we draw each other together in New York because I end up I end up finding that, you know, there are certain certain groups of people I end up for whatever reason, like I've had big groups of Germans that I've worked with. I've, I've got a group of Swedish people that I, that I work with. I have a lot of Latin people from, you know, D- Dominican Republic and Puerto Rican and 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 I, I have a, a few friends from Peru, actually. And Haiti, and it's like in Trinidad. <laughs> there's there's something about, and I think maybe because I'm from the Midwest and I'm not a, a, a you know native New Yorker, somehow we end up sort of you know, and even native New Yorkers seem very drawn to people from the Midwest. It's kind of a funny thing the way we we all kind of find each other in, in that way, and and that's yeah. that that melting pot part of New York is like such a fun part I think of of having a, a private practice like that. Totally. Yes, I agree. So, so, but speaking of prior practices, so going back into your story when you when you were first, you know, starting in New York, what was the what was the leap that you had to make going from hospitals to to starting this private practice? Um, well, first of all, I wasn't going to stay in the U.S. I only came for one year, remember? (laughs) But then I was given the opportunity through this exchange program to stay for a second year, which I did, and definitely immerse myself more into uh, home births and exclusively helping this uh, other home birth midwife. And initially my idea, and I even took a business class, um, was to um, start um, a birth center in Peru, which then I learned that there was already a birth center in Lima. And it's just so interesting. That birthing center had existed while I was in college, and I never knew about this Mm. place. And again, right, it's kind of like when you don't know your options, you just really don't know that that is there, you know? And and maybe now with social media, this place is more well known. But like, I thought I was going to be the first one bringing, you know, a birth center into Lima. Right. And then I found out that I wasn't. Um, but anyway, that was my plan. I was like, I'm sure there's need for more, right? Uh, for more birthing centers. So that was going to be my, my my plan. And then I met my husband. And of course, um, you know, him being American, I ended up staying here. Uh-huh. Um, and um, because I had to transfer credits and become a resident of this country. It took it took a few years. I had to take my my exam to get my license and all that. So it really was a four year journey until I finally got my license uh, to work here. But in the meantime, I kept working with this um, um, other home birth midwife. So it was really a whole like mentorship program that she gave me during those four years. So I really took advantage of that as much as I could. And really, when I started my practice, I felt completely confident because, you know, you do, even though I have had that background of working in the hospital, it's very different when you're at home because you're there by yourself, right? right? In the hospital, you have the nurse that draws blood or starts an IV. Um, You have the pediatrician who is going to uh, respond to any emergencies or you have the OB that supervises and, you know, it's on call if there's an emergency. When you're at home, you are by yourself. And I bring an assistant with me, but still, you know, so I had to... 
um, develop new skills, which was how do I care for the newborn if there's an emergency? Mm. And okay, I need to start that IV and carry all these medications with me if there's an emergency. And you need to recognize prior to things getting complicated, you need to recognize when you make that call to go to the hospital before things get complicated at home, right? So those were new things uh, that I needed to learn. And so by the term of the end of those four years, I felt that um, I was pretty confident to um, to be by myself at that point. So I'm, I'm curious, you're, you're, you're making me wonder, like, I, I know we've talked a little bit about some of this stuff because you have to bring a fair amount of stuff with you when you do house calls, what do you have like kind of the old school doctor bag that you kind of bring with you or what, what you have it there with you? Okay. So anybody who might want to check this out on YouTube to watch, oh, it is totally. <laughs> and in fact, you know, this is kind of like, I, I copied the midwife, the homework midwife that I mentor from. So yep. she had that and I just love that bag so much. And I started my practice. I'm like, I have to have it. You know? Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so is that yes, the only I thing? Is that is that, or do you carry even more than that? No, so that's kind of like my everyday bag. Uh, but I bring a whole huge backpack holds everything from oxygen tank to IV stuff and homeopathy and rebozo. Um, the birth pool is uh, if they get the birth pool from me, it gets delivered to them at 37 weeks. So I, I deliver it to them at 37 mm. weeks and so that they have it all set the day of the birth. Um, but really, it's uh, the pool, it comes down to preference, for example. Some people want to have a pool, especially first-timers. Um, they want to have that as a comfort uh, measure tool. Um in, and if you really want to know about Orthodox people, most of them actually don't even have a pool. They don't. They don't want the pool. They just. They just know they can do it naturally. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. When it comes to um, Orthodox people, usually the husband is not present. Uh, you know, there's got to be this kind of like separation, this privacy um, for the woman. Uh, you know, she's usually covered and. Um, and yeah, so they can either choose to have a pool or not. And we just have the husband kind of like behind the door waiting to hear the news. So it's been actually pretty cool to be exposed to all these different, you know, cultures and just gain all this insight because this is like one it's, of the it, most intimate moments, right? It's true. And and, and also just, just kind of going back to what you've learned from how how the Orthodox women tend to know sort of how what the process is, just sort of how this, you know, especially being in a place like New York, you, you must, you must kind of have a lot of new insights that you get from, from working with different cultures. Like, like why does this work in this culture and it doesn't work in this culture kind of thing. And, and I, I know that, I know that for you, like instinct is a big part of this process. So, you know, is, is that something that you maybe that, you know, maybe we can link to the cultural part of it. Do they do, is that something that's brought up more in certain cultures? Cause I feel like a lot of my Latin friends, you know, they, I feel like they're, they're much more on that, on that instinct, you know, thing than some of my like, you know, Midwestern friends <laughs> for sure. And, <laughs> and also, you know, I, there's, there's this really interesting study that I saw done one time about, you know, just how, how different cultures relate to one another and just how much more Latin culture tends to like use physical touch as, as like a way of expressing and communicating. Like there was a, the, I, I remember the, the study showed that like Puerto Ricans touched each other, like an average of 200 times an hour, whereas like Americans touch each other like four times an hour or something, you know, <laughs> just goes to show like that, that's that, that kind of connection. And, and I think what you get from being sort of physically close like that means that your physical body is, is a, a you, know, you know, a bigger player in terms of like you know, your antenna to the world, you're, you're really, it's not so cerebral. It's actually a much more physical thing. So the instant, and that's where, you know, I'm, I'm a physical person, obviously, this is what I do for, for my, my every day. So I think yeah. I, I've always thought my instinct comes, you know, sometimes from just being so physically connected to. No, that's, I think it's very true. I think we're all influenced by the culture we live in. 
for example, the Hispanic community I work with is a low, it's, it's a lot of these communities are, um, you know, low income communities that don't have much, right. but they just have their own inherent knowledge of their bodies and they know they can do it. And I recently have a couple, uh, and it was like the sweetest because she had had two hospitals, two hospital births. And for this one, she's like, Tanya, there's no way I'm going to the hospital this time. I just cannot put myself to that again. And that was a little concern. He had never um, had an experience hearing from home birth, actually, which was very interesting, uh, knowing that he was coming, you know, uh, from Hispanic country. But still, he was open to it. And the day of the birth, you know, this is someone who had not done a childbirth class or anything. But all he did is when she starts pushing, he just came next to her hold her hand and said, mommy, you can do this. You know you can do it. Just let your body do it, you know? And, like, Corey, my assistant, and I, we just look at each other and we're like, this, this is, like, the sweetest. Like, he just knew exactly what to do at that moment. He knew what she needed at that moment, yeah. you know? And even though she had two doulas that had um, volunteered to be at her birth, she just wanted the husband to hold her hand. She just knew that she could do it and she did it, you know? Yeah. And um, so that just that just letting go. And I always tell people, the one thing we cannot control is labor and birth. Mm. You can have a birth plan. Yeah. You can have all these ideas. You can have all these wishes, dreams for your birth. But ultimately, birth, I, I put it this way, it's like a, it's like a game board where there's two players, <laughs> right. baby, and the pregnant person, yeah, right? Yeah. And so the, the the number one player, the pregnant person, can be all into doing these things, these moves, but if the baby is not in sync with that, sometimes things can deviate from that. Yeah. We need to be open to that. We need to let go of us trying to control labor because I think that's also when sometimes we put a little bit of a challenge Right. Yeah. Um, you, you and I have talked about this before, too. It's like there's there's so much about this process that's managing expectation and and, yeah. it, and it is mindset. And it kind of makes me, you know, as we're talking about, like the difference between industrialized nations and, and, and the people. Right. And and people who come from places where they don't have all these things available to them. You, I, I think that is kind of where instinct comes from. Whereas in an industrialized, you know, nation, I think sometimes we're so used to thinking that like someone needs to solve this problem for me. You know, when really, and like in as you're saying, it's we're talking about two people right now. It's the mom and the baby, and there's no machine or you know we we try to we're we're trying to speed this process up in the way that we think we can, you know, shortcut things in in Western society. But you can't, you know. Pitocin has its place in, in delivery sometimes, but it's way overused. We know that. And that's that's something that helps to for contractions for anyone who doesn't know the the term. But but there are lots of things like that where we're we've, you know, forceps deliveries and all these other things that we've tried to, you know, use something mechanical to speed up a natural process and we and the natural process is going to happen. And it's and it's for some some situations it's much more challenging and there are some situations in which medical intervention medical intervention does save a life. Um yeah. but it's at, we're 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 so used to thinking that that the, the medical solutions should should solve you know everything about childbirth which just cannot yeah exactly and and i think there's this misconception overall that if you do home birth is because you're opposed to a hospital and 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 i think um that is really not true i mean we're opposed to the overdoing of hospitals on pregnancy and birth yeah. right but we we understand and we're happy that there is that solution when it's needed, yeah. when it's truly needed. Um, and, um, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's it's kind of the opposite these days, right? Where we think we the norm should be that everything should happen always in a hospital. And why would you do a home birth? Like, mm -hmm. that's just crazy. Um, but uh, I think I'm going to say lately more people have become more aware I think again thanks to social media has become more aware of what their options are um, and they're at least trying to educate themselves better inform themselves of what are the options 
so that you know it's not on it's not one of those things where like oh i wish i knew this when i had mm-hmm. um my babies right and I, I hear that now sometimes right but it's like oh i, I will have totally had a baby at home you yeah. know so let's talk about let's talk about um pregnant mom's bodies you know the, the <laughs> what what the, the, the thing that I think we we don't coach well enough, and I know you do, but um, and I've I've been involved in prenatal you know movement work, and I know I've had to study quite a bit to understand like what happens during the different phases of pregnancy, so that I know kind of how to pace with you know what their movement should look like through different trimesters and that kind of stuff. But that I, I know that that's a that's a big piece for you as far as what what is going to create a successful outcome for for pregnancy is that true well i think moving it's so crucial during the pregnancy and during the labor especially at home yes we're not there's there's no going to be like a bed and an epidural and then see you later when you're ready to push it's like oh no we're making this happen by moving right and um cardiovascular exercise is is so great in general whether you're pregnant or not right right? like it's just so great and i think what is also happening these days is that again in, because we're in an industrialized civilization, it's, you know, we're sitting in front of a computer, we're sitting on the couch watching TV, we're, we're sitting, we're sitting for long periods of time. Yeah. Um, I once had a, had a client whose husband, actually, they, they were both Peruvian and the husband was like, I don't understand why these days uh, women need doulas and, you know, to give birth. Back in my country, the women in the fields just go work. They're feeling the contractions. They squat down. They have their baby, and they just walk back home with their baby and rest. Right. And I said to him, "Yes, that is true, and I know that happens because I've heard that stories too when I used to live in Peru." But you think those women are not sitting in front of a computer all day? They're in the fields working, squatting, stretching, you know, harvesting the fruit, like, and so. The, the movement of their bodies just allow them to have babies in optimal presentations and um, they build the endurance also, right? So I always compare labor with a marathon. And I think many of us do where it's like you need to prepare your body. So basically throughout the pregnancy, you're doing that preparation. Right. And I wouldn't put someone who is pregnant, I wouldn't tell them, oh, you need to start jogging, you need to start swimming when they've never done that kind of exercise right, before. Right, right. You know, but it would be more like, Go for a walk. Make sure you're walking 30 minutes at least three times a week. Maybe go for a brisk walk. And those things that are just going to really be more flexible during the labor because we need a lot of that. And, you know, I think, again, the sitting down for so long is also making our bodies tighter, mm-hmm. um, which favors also mild positions and, you know, um, I, you hear more people saying, I need to go see a chiropractor. Maybe it's a good idea. I need to see an acupuncturist. Maybe it's a good idea. And I do think that it's a good idea. You know, if, if somebody has the option of doing it, I know unfortunately it's not something that is covered by insurance, even though it should, at least when you're pregnant. Right, I know. Right? Uh, but if you have the opportunity, I think it's something that I I, I recommend. And um, um and, you know, there's like places like spinning babies that would also give a whole um, a list of recommendations of what daily activities to do to kind of like simulate being on the field. Right. So I tell my clients, like, maybe set your timer that at a certain time it tells you go to the fields and just like move and stretch. Or if you work from home, have different stations to work where you're standing, maybe you're squatting, maybe you are, you know, um, uh, sitting for a short period of time. And so just to allow that mobility of your body. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's, I mean, and, and I, because I studied sort of prenatal training, um, with, with, you know, having worked with new mothers for, for a while. And then I also got to work with a lot of the babies afterwards. So it was a very, you know, unique situation for me, but I always just thought about it very similar to to that. You know, I think 
basically, you know, the the expecting mother needs to have strong legs. They need to have they need to have some kind of core engagement and some mobility work. But you don't want to overstretch because of the the you know the relaxant that loosens the joints. So there's certain kinds of things, and I think massage. I mean, I just think massage was it's so helpful because mothers just don't get a chance, you know, when they're when they're pregnant to sort of like have that circulation moved back up through their legs where there's a lot of pressure that's holding your vascular system down so that we don't end up with a lot of vascular issues in our legs. And and a lot of this is about recovery too. I mean, I just see that the the women who have done some a little extra work during their their pregnancies basically have recovered a lot faster. And and also they've had easier deliveries, frankly. You know, they 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 they, they were able to sort of like, you know, manage what was going on because it's it's a, it's a challenging thing to to go through the the physical act of, of having the baby is is one of the things that's so taxing, you know, energetically that if you've done some things to sort of, you know, challenge your body, you've you've brought up a lot of kind of immune responses that are going to help your recovery and also not overly tax your your system, you know, during the during the labor and delivery part. Correct. No, that's totally like that's what I was saying. It helps you build endurance, right? So it's right. kind of like training towards the day of the marathon and so when the marathon comes your body or your muscles who have memory remember yeah. oh, yes i need to run like this and and all that and so um you you know it's it's just harder when you have people that um don't move much whether it's because they don't have the time or it's it's never been part of their lives and uh they have a much harder time and even when they come to my office i'm in the third floor they're like oh my god you know i can't do this anymore and i'm like well i'm gonna be making you do this during the labor so let's start getting used right. to so are there any anything specifically that somebody has had has already set themselves on wanting to do a home birth? Are there any extra things that make that situation better for them? Are there in in, in certain terms of support like a, a doula is is that something that you that you always recommend? Yes, okay. definitely. Um, I'm a big fan of doulas and um, especially if it's the first baby. Um, okay. We don't know how long the, the birth is going to be. And, you know, I've had people that tell me, well, I think my husband will be a good doula. And I'm like, well, I, but then the husband is just terrified. As, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then the husband feels so relieved when the doula arrives. Yeah. Um, so I, I always also put it this way because I think every person brings a new energy into the picture. So when uh, the labor yeah. starts and things are slow, it's just a couple together, right? And I yeah. tell them, like, ignore it for as long as you can and do have a project and do things together. And then when things start to get uncomfortable and this person is going to get tired of the husband and be like, sorry, you're not maybe being that helpful anymore. Um, we need, you know, uh, a new kind of energy. Then the doula comes in and, you know, offers this, this comfort um, um, to cope with the, with the discomfort, right? Yeah. And, um, and they can and be then, comforting to the husband too. Exactly. Oh, 100%. And sometimes yeah. you've had these these kind of labors where the person has had these like practice pre-labor contractions for two nights and they're not really sleeping that well. So even, you know, the partner is also tired. And yeah. sometimes I tell the partners, go take a nap because we're really going to need you when the pushing stage happens. Mm -hmm. So let's make sure you also get some rest, right? And so and the doula kind of like holds the space together at that moment where maybe the partner is resting and then the birthing person is with the doula and um, then I come when we're, we're, it looks like things are getting more active and more intense because that's when I do need to monitor the baby and make sure the progress of the labor is, is you know, within normal. And, um, and so then I bring this new energy, right, where it's like, yeah. okay, you know if your midwife is coming, you know that things are progressing, right? Yeah. Um, and then, um, then as we get into the transition pushing period, my birth assistant comes. So I always tell everybody, when you see my birth assistant, uh, she's kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, if you see her walking, you see walking in, you know, you know there's a baby coming, right? Yeah, so it's sure. just, I think it just kind of brings again, new energy into the picture. And, um, 
and and so it's 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 fun to have that dynamic and and it it helps because I also cannot be there for 24 hours. Right. Because when you really need me, I don't want to be super tired. Yes, there are certain labors that are challenging and require me to be there for a long period of time. Yeah. But for the most part, most labors, you know, um, you're you're not going to have someone with you when you're one or two centimeters dilated. Not that I will check them, but I can just tell if your contractions are coming 20 minutes apart, you're probably one centimeter dilated, yeah. right? And so um, doulas, there's been many studies that have shown that doulas can contribute to a good outcome for the birth, reduce the chances of C-sections, um, um, uh, promote... Um, good recovery also after the birth um help people move right all these things there's all these good benefits to having a doula and there's different ways of 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 of, of finding a doula um you know especially here in the city there's many many doulas and you know i like working with some doulas but they don't have to fire my doulas but there's got to be some chemistry with the doula for sure because it's again it's going to be the one protecting that space right um so yeah for me i tell my first time uh pregnant people you you ideally should have a doula for sure because it seems like you're a big part of what you're also doing is like you're saying you're you're managing energy you're managing the fatigue factor for everybody involved and in, in a hospital situation you don't always know at what point in the shift uh, a nurse is at, or, you know, I mean, I think they, I, I know a few people who work in, in birthing centers and that's a little bit better. There's, that's, they, they're doing a lot of rotations. I, I, I treat quite a bit of people in health. So I sort of, I hear about when, how, how they space their weeks off so that I know that they get a lot of rest and I know that you also have to kind of plan for this too. So it's like a big part of your career to, to actually be managing energy kind of constantly. Oh, for sure. And that's why, you know, I need to make sure I need to make sure I recharge myself in between births. And, um, you know, whether it is going out of the city, whether it's getting some body therapies, all of that has really helped me accomplish that where I know I can go from one birth to another having had that little break. That really makes me feel like, okay, I'm good to go, you know? Yeah. That's so awesome. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I wish I would have, you know, known more about this. We had, you know, we had to kind of do a, a scheduled C-section for, for my daughter, which was, you know, my wife had had a, a C-section previously. So we, we kind of did everything we could leading up to it and tried, tried for a VBAC, but you know, that just that, that whole piece of, of actually being able to have this like quiet at home, intimate situation is something that I just wish we could have had more of. That's also the other part, you know, where um, after they've given birth and it's what comes after, which is like being on your bed with your baby. I know. And, you know, it's like, and you know, especially in those long labors, you have people telling, I don't know when the baby comes, I'm going to be so tired. How am I even going to push this baby out? And, you know, because there's all these nice harmony of hormones working on your body you do get that energy to push your baby out and then you fall in love with your baby as soon as you see your baby and you forget all the hours where you were just like there's no way i can do this right like and so you have your baby you're there in your bed and um i have a friend who once told me i will have just had a home birth the next time um to avoid having the nurses coming every four hours to take my blood pressure and see if they if i was feeding my baby of course i'm feeding my baby you know (laughs) so um so yeah so that's you know and of course during the prenatal visits because i think that's also uh, uh, makes a big difference is our prenatal visits are you know, 45 minutes to an hour long, because a a very important component of the visits is education, right? Right. So it's not just like, hey, measuring your belly, listen to the baby and all that. It's just, let's talk about what's going to happen postpartum. Let's talk about what's going to happen with breastfeeding. Let's talk about nutrition. Let's talk about all these things. And it's just a time where they get to share their concerns, their birth plans. They ask all their questions. And we develop this relationship, right? There's the, it's not just because I'm your midwife, you're going to do everything that I say. No, I want you to trust that if I'm saying 
this is because I know that you need it medically and that I would not force you to do something that I know you don't want me to do because we have already discussed that ahead of time, right? And so that is also very, very important for um, for prior to having a home birth. We all need to be in the same in the same page, um, even the partner as well. Yeah. And and just the arc, I feel like of of like, you know, this person's whole story. So when it comes to like postnatal support, you know exactly what's going on. If they have any post postpartum issues going on, you know exactly what went on. And you, you've you gotten kind of, you know, intermittently gotten to see them throughout the course of their pregnancy for bigger chunks of time than a lot of health professionals get to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And some of my clients are like, what are we going to do now? You know, can yeah. we just come and visit you? <laughs> like, well, you're welcome. You, you and I both have this, you know, similar thing. Like, I, I know your your girls and your husband and everybody at this yeah. point because, <laughs> and your dog, because that that's the kind of, in, in, in a way that that probably you and I both wanted to have those kinds of practices, right? That yeah. that environment of, of the clinic was not, the you know, didn't suit us as well because, I wanted to have these these sort of intimate relationships with people, and it, and I just you know, I enjoy that. I enjoy getting to watch your girls grow up and see them on a regular basis. You know those those kinds of things, and and they're comfortable with me like that. And and you you probably have that with like some of the kids, you know, the babies that you've delivered, right? You know, yeah, so. it's, actually, it's actually funny because um, I think I don't know if this is me being biased, but I feel that when people come with their toddlers, and if that has been the toddler that I had. They, they feel very comfortable at home you know they just come and they start asking me questions and then mm-hmm. if, if it's a toddler that was born in the hospital the baby doesn't know me it's like you know first looks at me like it's not familiar with me eventually they warm up to me but yeah those that you know those babies only saw me the first few the first six weeks of life but i, I don't know for some reason there's just this familiarity and they feel very uh, comfortable uh, when they meet, re-meet me, uh, you know, a couple of years later for, for the other baby. Yeah. I mean, even I have a, I have a good friend who's, he and his wife, I, 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 when I was first starting to do massage, I, I offered them a deal to, so that I could do some prenatal massage because I really wanted to learn how to do it. And so she came to see me every week of their, of her pregnancy almost. And so that that was that that was their first they had three i worked with her through the second pregnancy as well and then i had moved to new york but it was interesting because she's 25 now the the the, the one that i worked with who was prenatal and um but i didn't i didn't work with babies at that point but she i think some somehow because she just got so used to my voice yeah. She was so comfortable with me, even when I was, you know, only coming home, you know, coming back to Minnesota to visit once in a while, she would get really excited about hearing about me coming. It was Aww. such a, it was such a strange thing. And, and it just goes to show like how being involved in, you know, babies do pick up a lot of energy and a lot of information, the sound and all that stuff. So, yeah. and, I, and she actually works for one of my friend's um, <laughs> sisters now. And I just saw her a couple of weeks ago. Um, because I I stopped in there to say hi. I didn't know she was going to be working there. And she was just like, come up and give me a hug. And it's like such a strange, like full circle moment to have, you know, with yeah. the, with those kinds of people that we've, you know, we have an impact in, in those kinds of ways. And it just kind of goes to show like how, you know, there's something about that, the, the intimacy of what we, of, of the way that we work that I think really does keep us bonded in some ways. Yeah. And I think really is what, when you're pregnant, it's what you deserve. You want to be, it's such a special moment in your life. And whether you're feeling very vulnerable or having morning sickness or having the best pregnancy, you just want to be able to sit down and talk to someone about all the changes that you're going through your body and, you know, the fears, the concerns, all these emotions, all of that. You want to ha- have that conversation, and I think that that having that kind of prenatal care, postpartum care, just really makes a big difference. 
yeah. the continuity of care, seeing that same person right. that knows you and knows everything about you. Sometimes when the lab calls me because they need to ask something about a lab, a sample I send, they're like, patient this, data for, I'm like, I know everything about that person. What, you know, where did I mess up? Like, you don't need to give me more details. I know my clients. I know right. their stories, you know? And so... Yeah. It's and you know, like I can look back at all the homebirths I've done, and I you asked me about the birth of that person ten years ago. I remember every detail about the birth. I know it's interesting about there's something about that that point too. I mean, I oftentimes will remember like exactly like I actually remember what what Sierra looked like as baby because I treated <laughs> her, you know, and I, and it's like there's something that gets ingrained in your in your body you know, and in, in your in your mind for what that person looked like, even as their body grows, you just, you, yeah. you can still kind of remember that moment. There's something that it just goes to show that there's something like really, really important going on. And that, you know, when, when you're working with, you know, this new life too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think, you know, if, if the right hormones are in place, it creates this imprint, right? That's true. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tanya, so much for doing this with me. I, I'm like, I get excited now even just thinking about working with the babies again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been my pleasure. And I'm I'm glad we we had this short time to talk. You know, we could talk for many more hours. Uh, and but, we will. You know, I, I know you got to keep it short. So <laughs> thank you for inviting me. And it's been a pleasure. And and we'll and we'll we'll put up any if anyone's interested in kind of if you're in New York City and you're interested in in your services we'll have a, we'll have a link to to your page so people can and and we'll have a lot of stuff up on Highway Two Health too that will be your your bio and and all the all the links there as well. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Bye, Jeremy. Tanya Zerulnik, folks. I'm reminded again of how important support is in this process and how fortunate I am to be part of this, especially as a man. The majority of care providers around pre and postpartum care and birth are women, and their dedication continues to astound me. Because of my good fortune of being invited to be part of this care community, I like to encourage expecting fathers to get involved as much as possible in education and the experience as you can. It's a special moment that you will draw from for the rest of your life. Let me know what you thought of this topic in conversation. You can reach me anytime at jeremy at highway2.health. And don't forget to give us some stars on the app that you're listening to so that more people can find us and get resource. And even better, write a short note and let others know about the insight you're getting from this podcast. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends. <laughs>